anyone new to the show, we're a podcast that focuses on all things local government. I'm your host, Nathan Spear, and I'm the managing partner of Rice Spear, a dedicated local government law firm helping councils solve problems all over New Zealand. It's been a big month at Rice Spear. I'm very excited to announce that from May, Rice Spear will have a physical presence in Hawke's Bay, an area that we love and do a lot of our work in. We've signed on to a shared space called The Hive, and our plan is to have a Rice Spear lawyer in Hawke's Bay every Wednesday, making us even more accessible to Central Hawke's Bay District Council, Hastings District Council, and Napier City Council. This is the start of something really special for Rice Spear in that beautiful part of New Zealand. Now, we've also decided to move on from the offices that we've held in Auckland for the past six years and have signed on for a new adventure at the Citibank building in Customer Street from 1 July, but more on that later. On top of all this exciting news, we held an incredible training workshop for the mainland cluster of councils in April, covering a range of hot topics in the building space from tiny homes and natural hazards to notices to fix, swimming pool barriers, and preparing a prosecution file. It was all topped off with a hilarious mock trial, where Robert Wright, or should I say Justice Buster, delivered an Oscar-winning performance as judge of the proceeding. A huge thanks goes out to all those who attended the workshop. We had more than 60 people coming from all over the South Island, and Selwyn District Council in particular did a stellar job at hosting the event. Thanks also to our team, to Fiona Bird, Simon Walkins, Laura Bilby, and Amy Davison for helping me pull the workshop together. So, in this episode, Helen Rice sits down with Jeff Sharp, a mediator that will be familiar to many of our listeners for a fascinating discussion about meeting on Zoom and in a COVID world, and plenty of off-the-ball stuff too. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the word out to the local government community. And a final big thank you to our sponsor, Maynard Marks. You can find out more information at maynardmarks.co.nz. Without further ado, here's Helen and Jeff. Kia ora, Jeff. It's wonderful that you're here today in Wellington with me being interviewed for our Staying Local podcast. Thank you so much for participating. Thanks, Anna. Delighted to to do this. So, Jeff, you're an international mediator. You mediate uh, in Asia, Pacific, Europe, and of course, in our own country, New Zealand. And it's something that you're passionate about and have been engaged in for some years. Well, I did. I did uh, mediate internationally. I guess I'm not right now, but um, uh, for COVID. But um, yeah, I, I in mid nineties is when I discovered mediation and really thought it was it was the the way of the future. Um, so it's just it just suited my suited my personality. Um, took a while to get to be a mediator, but um, 
those were early days and not many people knew about it, to be honest. Well, that's right. I mean, in the mid-90s, there were very few sort yeah. of mediations in New Zealand happening. But let's just go back and start with some 101s on mediation for our listeners who might be uh, needing some clarification on what is mediation and how is it different to other ways to solve disputes, like, for example, court or going through a tribunal. So what is mediation? Well, I mean, people often get it mixed up with arbitration, which I hope some listeners might have heard about, or meditation, I often call it. <laughs> so, so it is, it, it is, it, it is not, not, not as well known as some of the other processes, but essentially mediation is the way I, the, the way I'm involved is, is, um, is resolving legal disputes, I guess, uh, but they don't need to be, and a mediator comes in and helps people talk. So we step off the court treadmill or the arbitration treadmill or whatever else, the tribunal, we get round a table, we agree that the discussion will be in confidence and I help uh, people talk. I often think a mediator's got a little pot of oil and (laughs) you're sort of going around oiling the the wheels that need to be oiled and and that's what a mediator does. helps oil the conversation. So uh, often you're, the mediator can be busy, often the mediator can be sitting back and, 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 and having opened the you know, channels of communication. So you, you just never know what your role mm. is. And, and there's some theory around it and there's some sort of process around it, but at its very heart, it's someone who is, for whatever reason, able to help people uh, talk uh, when they are in conflict. Yeah, that's right. So when they're deadlocked and they want to reach a resolution, they don't make a decision though, do they? Mediators don't make a decision. They help parties bring uh, their problems to the table and reach a resolution. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely probably the most important, um, you know, identifier of mediation is that a mediator doesn't make a decision. As I say, helps oil the conversation. And it's amazing how once you've done that, parties will gravitate to their own solution whether that's in terms of money or activity or whatever and and the mediator can help that can can push people can plant the seeds of different possible resolutions and open people's minds to you know this or that uh, but at the end of the day uh, the, the the parties in the conflict together with their advisors that they got them are the ones who decide yep we we can do this. This is the sweet spot. I'm mm. I can live with this. I'm not terribly happy about it, but I can live with it. And if you can, then let's agree. That's the result. So in New Zealand, can anyone become a mediator? Do you have to go to university to become a mediator, or can you just start up, uh, you know, shop as a mediator? Well, there are no formal qualifications, although. Mediators in the legal world, mediating legal disputes, tend to be lawyers, and that's for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, we need to understand the litigation process to help the parties work out whether the resolution is, is more attractive than the litigation uh, that they might be heading into. But, but no, I mean, other, other aspects of the mediation community aren't, aren't qualified. They might have a social, uh, you know, uh, Um, a counselling background yes. or an accounting background. There are mediators who are ex, uh, 
you know, accountants from some of the big firms, lawyers, mm. engineers. Uh, I've even heard of a pilot being a mm. mediator. So I think it, it's more about how, you know, how you're able to bring people together, I think. So is it a bit like a game of chess, you know, where you've got to be, I've just finished watching Queen's Gambit on Netflix, gosh, it was good. Um, you know, is mediation like chess? Is it strategic where you've sort of got to be three moves ahead? I often... When you, sorry, in the role as mediator, do you feel like... Yeah. Well, I, I think, I often think that I need to be a couple of steps ahead. Mm. So I, and it's through experience you get to know where people might be going. Mm. But the last thing a mediator can do is tell them that. Because they, people in conflict, in mediation, want to come to their own realisation about you know, what's the best thing for them. So they don't want someone telling them where they should go. If, if, if they want that, they'll go to court. Mm. And they'll get a third lawyer who happens to be a judge to tell them the answer. Mm. So when they come to mediation, they normally know what they want in terms of a process. And, and we facilitate rather than direct. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to think I kind of know, well, I've seen this situation before and I think this is where we'll be in an hour's time. Ah, oh, look, it's clear, you know, because I've done hundreds of mediations and I've mediated plenty with you, Jeff, and I, I see you as a strategic, you know, mediator where um, it just, you just sort of sail along and then before I know it I'm sort of moving on to a second or third step that I hadn't even realised I was going to uh, move into but just through your facilitation and that's where a good mediator um, facilitates the conversation, keeps the ball rolling uh, and so um, I think there is quite a bit of strategy involved. I think it's a difficult job being a mediator. And I think a good mediator, and perhaps this is too detailed, but a good mediator respects people's capacity mm. to decide what's right for them. Yes. So often I will see people agree something and I internally am saying, gee, I don't know that I would have done that. But frankly, there are lots of reasons why they've done mm. what they've done, some of which I can see, some of which I have no knowledge of. And it's a, it's, it, it, it's a real, you've got to train yourself, as a lawyer anyway, you've got to train yourself to respect people's capacity to decide what's best for them and you know frankly it's not my place to question whether it's right or wrong if they're happy I'm happy in some ways. Oh, I, I agree with you and I think it's it's not always about what you think it is about the problem and Correct. certainly as a participant in mediation similarly since the mid-1990s uh, you know you sometimes think you've got a really good grasp on the problem the issues the facts the law the potential outcomes and you get sideswiped in a positive way by a solution that you hadn't contemplated. Uh, there's a great doc, a great video on YouTube, it's only two minutes, we've talked about it before Jeff, it's not about the nail and I encourage any of our listeners to dive into YouTube, it's not about the nail and have a look at it because you so often think that the problem in front of you is X. Uh, as you unpack it, it's not necessarily. Sometimes people just want to talk, they want to be heard. And it's one of the great things about mediation is that the mediator can meet the parties around the table in the, in the what we call the joint session where everybody's around the table and it's fairly public. Uh, but then we do a lot of our work in private. And I'm always amazed at what people will tell mm. me in private. They'll say, Jeff, we haven't said anything in the main room, but you need to know that actually X and Y is, is where we're at. And that may not make a lot of sense to you, but 
because of you know because of this or that this is where we want to go and I'm, I'm always you know amazed at the at the 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 the, the motivations mm. of people that aren't any you don't see it on the surface yes and it provides such clarity if you can give yeah. them an opportunity to really have the conversation that they want to have and be heard yeah um, I'm really interested uh, you know how you fell into mediation I'm sure it was intentional knowing um, your background, Jeff, but you know, in the mid '90s, it wasn't a sexy, you know, trendy thing to be a mediator. There weren't many available. How did you choose it? Well, I, I, I can't remember the moment I kind of thought I wanted to be a mediator, but it, 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 it started to come on my radar. The Americans were starting to train. Uh, they came to Australia. We brought them over here. Uh, people from Harvard um, and I just knew that it suited my DNA. I was a, I was a litigator, you know, not a terribly good one to be honest, and I knew that I was much better sitting in the middle of conflict than on one side of it. And I always remember doing a trial here in Wellington at the High Court and um, the client just was, you know, we, 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 we got a result, the client was not happy wrong result, cost too much, and a terrible process from, from their point of view. And, I, and you know, as a lawyer, I just was unsatisfied that that was the reaction you were getting as a litigator. And mm. so some, some litigators would take that as absolutely just part of the job. I just thought there would be a better way, and mediation started to have some profile, and in the mid-90s, started to get myself trained. I can remember cutting out, it was the days before the internet, and I can remember cutting out every single uh, article I could find and putting it in a folder above my desk at Bell Gully, and it just had, had these folders, which I've still got in my office, of, of all the early, the early um, you know, articles on mediation, etc. It's like the laws of attraction, isn't it? You know, you just sort of put something out there, I want to be a mediator, I am a mediator, I'm going to be a mediator. You start collecting your articles yeah. and you start filling those shoes. And yeah. you know, I was really courageous to take that jump from what would have been a um, you know, well-trodden path, being a partner and the law mm. firm, uh, you know, to go out there on the coalface and say, I am a mediator, I am open for business. Well, I, you know, it taught me, and I've said this to my kids ever since, follow your bliss. Mm. You know, you will be good at something if you follow your bliss. But I remember I left as a litigation partner on Christmas Eve and started up as a mediator in sort of end of January. <laughs> and I'd been earning a, a large law firm partner's salary. And my first year as a mediator, I earned eight and a half thousand dollars. And it was, and I still look back on that and I say, actually, mm. I earned my stripes in those first three years where I did more going along to law firms and asking if I could speak to their uh, people at lunchtime than I did actually, you know, sitting at, at the mediation table. Mm. And slowly, slowly, you know, people start to say, okay, let's you know, try this. Mm. And some of the big firms were very good. Your old firm was very good. Mm. And, and people were prepared to try it. And some people liked it. Some people thought, no, it's just, you know, it's, we're not there yet. But a lot of people liked it. Oh, I'm such a fan of mediation because the clients choose the outcome. And with respect to our judiciary who are very good at determining outcomes, a client choosing the outcome is far preferable. No appeal process, done and dusted, full and final, 
uh, and costs are minimised in yeah. mediation. So there's so many positives. Well, and there are so many positives over and above cost. I mean, it's, nice. it's clearly a lot cheaper. I always think mediation is about 10% of the cost of litigation, but that's the sort of the superficial benefits, mm. cost and speed. The, the real benefits are management time. I mean, you know, anyone who's been involved in litigation, and I imagine, you know, councils more than others, will know how much hidden cost there is mm. in that. It eats it up. So, so you know, staying in control of your dispute, choosing your outcome, keeping relationships, because mediation has a much better uh, prospect of keeping relationships than litigation does. Uh, so when that's important, mediation is a process, a good process to attempt. So there are lots of benefits mm. over and above the superficial cost and speed that I think mediation offers. Yeah, great points. Thank you, Jeff. So just thinking about our local government clients and listeners, uh, how can councils leverage mediation more than they are currently doing? Well, you know, I will answer that. First, I, I would say that, you know, local authorities have been wonderful users of me mm. mediation. And, and they've had to because of the leaky building and the, um, the earthquake yes. situation. Mediation's been a wonderful workhorse for those crises. You know, for the insurers as well as, yes. as, as TAs and, and anyone else. So, um, so mediation has benefited, I think, from from those you know high volume sometimes high value but often high volume low low value um, but i think council you know local authorities could use it far more i, I often think the resource management area is an mm. area where you know yes uh, going to the tribunal you know that that's you know costly and quite cumbersome I, i've got involved in, in local authorities who have just sort of collected together the stakeholders, got in a room and talked it out. And that's incredibly efficient mm -hmm. and gets those communication channels that we were talking about earlier open. So you've got objectors, you've got people who have really got the barricades up. You know, if, they, if you can just get them into a room with a good mediator, those barricades come down. There is some real, you know, often in those disputes which are often NIMBY, not in my backyard, uh, resource management, uh, sort of local uh, community, you know, ginger groups, they can often do wonderful work around the table mm. with the right people from the local authority. And it's, the secret is to have the right people there. So the influences within the community, the right people in council who can make a decision and say, yes, I can, I can sign up to that, give me two days and I'll have that through, you know, through mm. the decision making channels and I, I think it's a wonderfully efficient way of doing it. And so sometimes um, in my local government practice I meet resistance where I have you know lawyers or unrepresented parties say to me we don't need a mediator, uh, we don't need a facilitator, we can do it at no cost, can't we just sit around the table Helen, can't we just uh, reach um, you know have a discussion and I say to them no, uh, it's so much more efficient and effective with a mediator. Why they, I say, and I say because you've got an independent person to choreograph. I mean, would you like to comment on that? I mean, I'm, I'm such a big fan for having that mediator in the room. Um, what would be your sales pitch? Because I need to hone my sales pitch because sometimes, you know, it's quite hard to get people across the line mm. for the investment of the, of the mediator. 
Yes, and, and that can apply to all sorts of different sort of sectors. But mm. I mean, I would say this. I think it is false economy to think you can do it without a mediator. Mm. I mean, you know, the expense is really getting everybody in the room, mediators um, the least of it. But mediator uh, has the ability to to just help help you through impasses mm. because often when a meeting's left to its own devices it gets to impasse very quickly and it's a it's this oil analogy mm. the mediator uh, is able just to smooth the way see things arising out of the murk before they hit the table you know, often think people lob hand grenades into a mediation often I'll think of in my own mind reach up and catch those hand grenades before they hit the table nice and a mediator can just smooth the way and keep keep the discussion going break when it gets you know less than constructive bring you back together when mm. when people have taken 10 deep breaths and, I, and and as you say i think choreograph is a really good word mm. um, because we do this all the time and because i mean i hate my own conflict i love other people <laughs> and so I, we, we're comfortable sitting in the midst yes. of conflict because yeah. it's not our deal yeah you know? but, but you're independent that's the thing yes. you're independent and that makes a huge difference because even if we've got really good quality um, people whether they're lawyers or not lawyers that we're in conflict with you have to put on two different hats one for your client and one to be the facilitator, it's too difficult. It is so much easier to invest in the cost of a mediator. Uh, and for the simple reason that in your toolbox are a whole bunch of tools that are not in ours because we're not doing it day in, day out. And even if they are in yours, you can't do them in your role as yes. advisor. You know, you need that neutral independent. And, and it's not to say the mediator is agnostic. I mean, we, you know, I care very deeply about some of the stuff I do, but we're independent. And, and mm. again, going back to the respectful, we respect groups who are able to come to their own resolution. And our job is to facilitate that and then fade away, mm. you know, frankly. So in your almost like 25 years plus of mediation, I'm sure you've seen quite um, you know, unusual things happen. I, I certainly have. You know, I've had to dial 111 in a mediation where someone had a heart attack. Um, I've, you know, I've had quite a few different things happen and, 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 you know, thankfully that person was okay. But, you know, so it's, it, wow, there's just, it's just, sometimes can be quite um, unforgiving and surprising what can happen. Are there any stories that you can share? Well, well I mean, I think mediation, the mediation room is a microcosm of life. Yes. Um, and I always give this example as, as an example of the flexibility of mediation, I was doing a um, historic sexual abuse case, uh, which you know is really testing for a mediator like me, who's mm. you know essentially a suit. But but I need to use I need to sort of extend my skills on, on that kind of kind of dispute. Anyway, uh, we we were mediating uh, in a in a you know, twenty floors up in a in a law firm with a shiny table and mediating these incredibly difficult issues of, of this elderly person who had been abused um, as a teenager and uh, it was it was with uh, one of one of the churches and, and a high-ranking church official was there and um, I'll never forget um, we came to a monetary settlement which was the least of it really and uh, the bishop asked the the, the, the complainant the, the plaintiff you know, who was a plaintiff in a legal proceeding, 
and said, would I be able to give you the sacrament? And so they went to a corner of the boardroom and he uh, administered communion. And the rest of us, all lawyers in suits and whatever, sat around and looked at our feet and we all had tears in our eyes because Mm. this was the elderly complainant coming back to a church Mm. that um, they had forsaken as a as a young mm. adult so, so I, 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 um, I I just think that's a wonderful example of what can happen in a mediation and um, you know uh, it, 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 it still is a good lesson for me as a mediator expect the unexpected mm. you know and as I say the money was done and dusted it was it was this connection and, and I've spoken to people involved since and it, it was that connection that was the value mm. that came out of the mediation. Um, just wonderful. Well done you as being a successful mediator um, to achieve that for people. I mean, that's it because when you're on the typical pathway, which is for us, for we are litigators, for us it's, it's court and the outcomes in court are constrained. The judges have only very, you know, a number of options and they're all known to all of the parties. In mediation, anything is possible. It opens up untold possibilities and that is just so freeing for people. It's just, it, you know, exceeds their expectations sometimes and that is really good and yeah. delightful. And I, I think one of the wonderful things that can happen, and it doesn't happen every time, but people come into mediation in conflict, in dispute. Mm go through the mediation process, you know, fairly robust, um, you know, exchanges are had, and they come out the other end stronger than they were. And I'm talking about sort of commercial joint ventures or something that, that they need to, they've got another 20 years together, commercial lease or whatever, and you see them, they come out the other end and say, well, okay, if we can do that, then we're probably okay for the next 20 years, you know. And that's a wonderful, strengthening, um, process. Really. Oh, human relationships, commercial relationships. Yeah. And look, can I say and just do a bit of a shout out to you, Jeff, because during COVID lockdown one, uh, for us, um, our local government client, you know, was faced with a 10 week trial and a mediation that had to take place by Zoom. Um, there were 60 people involved. And it was very distressing and stressful for all the parties when we were A, dealing with COVID and the pandemic, B, in lockdown, and C, facing a trial where we thought we wouldn't be able to mediate. And you came to the party um, with your skills, um, particularly your IT skills, and moved us around in meeting rooms, um, the 60 of us, and facilitated over two days of resolution. Now, for me, that was a first. Um, I'm sure for you, if you've, in, you know, you've internationally mediated, uh, you've done it before, but tell me, tell me more. How was it um, as a mediator in, on on Zoom, and have you done more since? Well, I mean that was a wonderful experience because that was very early on. And while we do, because you know, being based in New Zealand and working in Europe and Asia, you know, we were starting to do more on screen, but mm. but you know, really not uh, not a lot. And COVID came along, and now the whole landscape is different. I can talk a bit about that, but. This particular um, mediation that you're talking about was a wonderful experience because there were a lot of moving parts. Mm. And, you know, we were all in lockdown. You know, it was a pretty grim time. Uh, And there I was, you know, set up on my dining room table wearing a suit, tie and a jacket and, you know, bare feet on. (laughs) 
and I, I, it was a, it was a wonderful experience, and we were all learning together. We were all green. Yeah, and everybody played their part. And you know, funnily enough, I think we were more collaborative because of the the you know the environment we were in. Everyone was up against it: clients, lawyers, mediator. And I, I think we all tried to make it work. And, you know, I mean, I've done quite a bit since, but nothing that big. And it was a multi, multi-million dollar dispute with many, many people, experts, clients, lawyers. And we, all, we as a group, made it work. And, uh, you know, there were, you talk about IT skills, there were a few, few, few hairy moments. But, but essentially, we, we muddled our way through it. And it was a wonderful I thought a wonderful experience. Once we got the lighting right and we could see yeah. people's faces. Yeah, and so there were. We <laughs> what were, about the person who's the expert who will remain nameless because all competition? But it's so sweet when he stood up to speak and we could just see his tummy button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know all the myths, and we've busted them since then, really, because I've done quite a bit on Zoom and now set up properly with microphones and and selfie lights and all sorts of things. So, but but we've busted a lot of myths around you know you can't make connections on on zoom when the mediator needs to build rapport and trust that's a whole nother podcast really about how how necessary that is as the mm. as the oil but but we've learned that we can do this quite well on 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 zoom and in fact uh, in a couple of mediations that i can point to that we've held on zoom since you and i did that one it worked better on zoom because the temperature was so high mm people were much more comfortable on screen than sitting in a room together. And it, and it worked wonderfully well uh, because of that distance. Mm. And, you know, it's easy, for, once a mediator learns the IT side of it, it's more about how do I adopt, adapt my skills so that I can go through that screen and build a rapport with mm. Helen or John or, you know, and, and you can do it. Uh, and I don't pretend to have found the secret source, but I am amazed at how really Zoom can 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 achieve what it does. And I, you know, I'm getting the odd request now, and you know, obviously New Zealand's out of lockdown. I'm getting the odd request that we will do it on Zoom, mm. despite just because we don't want them to fly from Sydney, but they can't. But we actually don't want them to fly from Dunedin. Yes, well, that that's right. And I mean, it, it's it's a fantastic tool. To put into our box so that if we, you know, want to have an sorry, cost-effective and efficient negotiation, why not think about doing it over Zoom with a mediator? Yeah. And so that's something our local government clients can um, embrace and have, you know, really good quality mediators who don't necessarily need to travel, so you can yeah. save that expense. Uh, and, and you know, sort of sit in the comfort of your own room and the office and do it. So you know, this this has created some opportunities for us um, Kiwis to to look at negotiation in a different light. Yeah. And certainly last year, I would never have been a fan of a Zoom mediation. Having done a few this year, it works. Um, and I think it works on a number of levels. I mean, I've just signed. There's a mediation green pledge, and I've just signed a, a pledge that I will, where possible reduce my footprint, which is my carbon footprint, which is terrible. I was, I'm, I'm on a plane three days a week. Uh, before COVID, I was flying to London four or five times a year. Now, you know, that, that needs to stop. And so mm. Zoom is part mm. of that. I don't think it's all of it, but it's certainly part of it. Um, especially when, you know, the gatekeepers of disputes like you have have confidence in it. Mm. Um, and I think, it's, so it's a very, if I'm excited about anything around COVID, 
it's these mm. new skills that I've had to learn as a bit of an old dog and and the fact that that it opens up a whole new perspective I yeah. won't fly up to Singapore uh, I think I think mediations will be hybrid so we'll have a face-to-face -face phase of the mediation yes but a lot of meetings will happen on zoom before and after that mm. and so that face-to-face -face will be really the the when when the when the time is right to bring people physically together I don't think that need has gone but there'll be lots of work that we would have done in the past face-to-face -face that we'll do on screen yeah and we just need to be creative to adapt to the environment that we're in and the issues that we face at the time um, pandemic and all. So look, tell me, I'm interested in a couple of your um, icebreakers. You know, when you've got parties who are deadlocked, I happen to see you're a prolific writer and one of your articles, uh, Desert Island Questions for Mediators. I'm a big fan of Desert Island Discs, uh, which is a podcast show that's been running for many, many years, pre-podcasts, um, you know, where they, they interview someone and they talk about their favorite music on a desert island what would they listen to so your desert island title of your article captured my interest uh, questions for mediators would you like to just share a couple of those tips for when you're in a deadlock yeah I um, this was an article I wrote back in back in the day really 2005 or, or around there but I, I think a mediator's skill the really good mediators, and I don't put myself in that category, but the really good mediators can ask questions that are wonderfully nuanced. And people can't see me, but when I ask a question and someone goes, puts their hand to their forehead and say, I've never had to think of it like that before. I know that I have pitched it just right. Mm. And so I, I spend a lot of time thinking about questions and their skills of questions. And I, one of the I hope people recognize this in, from their own lives, but one of the wonderful questions a mediator can ask are, are hypothetical questions. You know, what if? Mm. So, you know, um, Helen, I, I, I know that you feel strongly about your case. And, and I'm, I'm not here to, to naysay that, but what if you're wrong? Mm. Just humor me. What is the worst that will happen? What's the best that will happen? Mm. And, you know, if they don't do that, would you do this? If they do do that, would you do this? Mm. And, and so I love playing around. With oh, it's so difference. provocative. It's mm. you know, it's quite confronting because you you know to be asked those sorts of questions just opens up possibilities, yeah. and even the client sort of yeah. looking at you. Um, and, and it can be safe good. because they're hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's really funny. So when you ask engineers or pilots, you know, um, are they are they? I'm not sure what it's a left or right brain, but when you ask engineers or pilots. If questions, they say, no, no, Jeff, no, no, that, that, that's not how the, so if the piles were not in gravel, would we still be having this conversation? No, no, Jeff, the piles are in gravel, so I don't really want to talk about if they're in sand, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful sort of difference, you, you realise realize the difference of the way different people think. Oh, and I, like I've seen it as well with visual, so some people, you know, they, they, they think that oratory they're fine about listening, other people they prefer to learn and, and process um, visually. And so if I'm not getting through to somebody on the other side of a negotiation and I can see they've glazed over, I might wander up to the whiteboard or if I've yes. got a better scribe, I might get them to draw a picture. 
and all of a sudden then the person's back engaged and they're back in the seat again listening oh is that what you mean I'm like yes that's what I've been telling you but the picture so you do have to mix it up for different processes yes and that's why a whiteboard is such an essential tool yeah. in the mediation room and uh, you know um, I'm a terrible speller but I prefer to have a messy whiteboard yes. that keeps up with the discussion and have wiring diagrams and you know, arrows going everywhere yes. have it really messy than have it perfect and slow people down so often the whiteboard's a very important tool for both parties lawyers and and the media mm. hey let's have a bit of fun we're sort of getting to the end of this yeah, podcast I, I loved having this chat I could keep going for ages but I'm going to ask you a couple of just more fanciful well let's start with a serious one um, the acronym GLAD G-L-A-D so G for grateful I'm just throwing this out there mm. Jeff L for learned A for achieved and D for delighted putting you on the spot with no preparation to answer these questions, but if you could tell me something that you're grateful for for 2020, uh, what might that be? Well, I, I can answer a few of those straight off. The others are a bit harder, but I, I'm, I'm grateful to be a New Zealander in 2020. Mm. I am grateful that this country has done what we've done. We, we look across you know, and see America and England, I'm very grateful mm. to be a Kiwi. And as a Kiwi who was primarily working overseas for the last couple of years, uh, I'm wonderfully um, grateful to be have a place to come back to and be safe. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I would say hear, hear to all of that. Um, so what have you learned this year? I think, again, just not professionally, but I have learned, I think, to accept what's happening. I, I went through a grieving... So I hightailed back from Singapore when the lockdown came. I was up there when they went code orange. I came back here and we went into lockdown. And What's I, code orange? Is that well, Code orange was when they shut all their schools, all okay. their... So it was their... Was that it, like our level yeah, four? Yeah, probably our level three. Okay. And it sort of came out of the blue and we were actually mediating and we kind of finished in a hurry and I just got on a plane and came home. And so... Um, I still went through a grieving stage mm. of thinking my, I've worked hard to, to be on the radar of, of people in Asia and Europe, and that's hard to do, mm. it's a five year longer project. And so I, I sort of thought all that's at an end, and it may, it may be at an end, it may not be, but I've learned, I think, to say, no, actually, it's okay, there are other things happening mm. personally and professionally, it's wonderful to be welcome back into the domestic mediation scene and people are still prepared to use me even though I've sort of been away and um, personally you know families it's been wonderful I haven't been in a lonely hotel room for a week in Singapore I've been home you know with family oh we're thrilled to have you back in the New Zealand market (laughs) to be a mediator for us I mean it's fantastic to have someone of your caliber your experience your skill set and and you and and your um, stats you know your statistics are really good I mean when we're choosing a mediator we want somebody who will get the job done we want to do it once we want to do it properly we want to get a resolution we want somebody that can facilitate so great to have you back in Kiwiland um, so the A is achieved. What would you say? Well, I think Zoom. We've, yeah, uh, you know, Zoom. Collectively. Amazing. Uh, yeah, we've achieved Zoom. I, I've, I've got a wonderful BBC microphone now in my office. I've got a big <laughs> curved screen. I've got a ring light. I just love it. I just You've love it. You've got a ring light? A ring light, which is 
what the kids use is selfie lights, so it's a sort of makeup light, okay. but it doesn't throw a shadow. Ah. I'll show up to you on the way out. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I've got all, I, I just, I spent lockdown getting all the gear online, and I just, I just love that side of it. So I've, I've, I've achieved some ability on online, and I, I, I just, I mean, I, I Zoom mates, I Zoom, you know, parties. And, nice. You know, so that's, that's been fun. Wow. And so D, delighted, what are you delighted about? Well, I'm yeah, probably all the above, really. I, I'm de- I'm delighted to be a Kiwi mm. um, with. I think this country's got so much potential. I do think we need to watch out for our young. I think they've been checked badly by COVID, and I've got mm. four young adults who mm. have had their dreams altered. Yes. And I think we need to we need to watch out for them. But I, but I'm delighted to be in a Kiwi and delighted to be in a good space. Nice. Well, hey, look, let's wrap up with um, favourite song. Did you have a favourite song? Well, it's a no-brainer. Lou Reed, Intro to Sweet Jane. If people haven't heard it, Google it, uh, Spotify it. Sweet Jane, Lou Reed, who's now dead, sadly. But the intro to Sweet Jane is the best guitar you'll ever hear. Do you play guitar? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do do when no one's watching. (laughs) With a tennis racket. (laughs) And book you're reading? I, I'm sad to say I don't read recre- recreationally. I read on screen. I, I read everything I can on mediation. Still do. Have done for 20 years. I love it. Really? I, I get a lot of kick out of uh, You can that. tell. You can tell in your mediations because you're so damn passionate about it. <laughs> you're committed. And so, yeah, all of that reading and all. Um, well, if people are interested, I mean, there's a lot online. Go to mediate.com for a start. There's 50 million articles on mediation up there. And then mm. you branch out from there. There's a lot, but I, I, there's a lot of cutting edge mediation writing, which is of no interest to anyone but people like me uh, that's out there on the, on the web. Mm. Hey, look, thanks so much, Jeff, for being a guest today on our Rice Spear podcast. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you for coming back to New Zealand uh, and to be one of our you know, highly regarded and esteemed mediators. Um, it's good to have you here. Um, thank you. You're very kind. Lovely to be here. Thanks again to Jeff and Helen for that uh, really interesting interview on mediating in in a COVID world. Uh, Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and help us get the word out there. And if anyone wants to be a part of our regular newsletter, send me an email, nathan at ricespear.co.nz. We'll see you next month. (laughs) 